This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that have tuned in to watch today. We may have those watching today for the first time, and may I welcome you to our telecast. I want to discuss a subject today that I, I think we, we really need to study because of the attitude that I see many people have toward themselves. I want us to think about this theme today, how to love yourself. How to love yourself. Stay tuned as we discuss that today. Now, on our telecast, we continue to offer a free Bible correspondence course. I emphasize the course is free. We'd like for you to avail yourself of the opportunity of receiving the course so know that in order that you might know more about the course and that you might know how to order the course, let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5211. I want to read a text now from the 22nd chapter of Matthew. We'll begin reading in the 34th verse, and I'll read down through verse 40. This is a text that I think would be very familiar to most people who read the Bible and are familiar with the Bible, because Jesus is answering the question, what's the greatest commandment of all, and what's the second greatest commandment of all? Listen while I read. And when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Notice in this particular text that there was a lawyer that came to Jesus, asked him this question, which is the greatest commandment in the law. He was testing Jesus. And Jesus answered him like this, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. There are three great things that we learn from this text. Number one, we are indeed to love God. Love God with all the fiber of our being. 
Love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. And there is not a greater commandment than the commandment to love God. In the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy 6 and verse 4, Moses taught Israel, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God. So we're to love God. Now the second thing that we learn is that we are to love other people. Jesus said in verse 39, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. In Luke the 10th chapter, there was a uh, lawyer that came to Jesus, and this lawyer asked Jesus a question, and the question was, What shall I do that I might inherit eternal life. And so Jesus asked this man the question, well now, what's written in the law and how, how, how do you read the law? And so the man answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. And so he said, now that's, that's the greatest commandment. And, and he said, and your neighbor as yourself. So in response to the question, the man asked, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, what do you read in the law? And the man said, you need to love God. You need to love other people. Now, third thing we learn is that we are to love ourselves. Notice Jesus in Matthew 22 said, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Unfortunately, Many people do not love themselves. We're not talking about selfishness. We're not talking about an individual being self-centered. We're talking about a self-love based on God's value of the individual. Knowing the value that God has placed upon me, I can affirm an equal amount of importance to those around me. None of us ought to be blind to our shortcomings. So we're not to be a selfish people and a self-centered people, but we're to have a concern for other people. We're to love our neighbor just like I love myself. Now I want to raise a question, and I hope to be able to answer that question at least to some degree for our audience today. How do we learn to love ourselves? How, how am I going to learn to love myself? Well, the first thing I would su suggest is that you learn to accept yourself. Accept yourself. You need to see yourself as God sees you. In Genesis, the first chapter, verses 26 and 27, we learn how God sees you. God said, let us make man in our image. We have been made in God's image. Sometimes we say that uh, in regard to a young person, that's the very image of, of his father or the image of his mother. In other words, we can see the parent in that child. God stamped his image upon man. You have been made in the image of God. And as Ethel, Ethel Waters has once said,
God don't make no junk. You see, God sees us as an important part of his creation. In Psalms, the eighth chapter, David posed the question, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? Well, he said, you've made him a little lower than the angels, and you've crowned him with glory and honor. You know, in the Lord Jesus Christ, every person is important. Sometimes I, I hear people say, well, I, I'm, not, I'm not anybody. I, I, I'm not important. I want you to know that in Jesus Christ, every person is important. Paul addresses that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning about number verse 14, when he said uh, that the body is not one member, but many. Then he says, if the foot shall say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Why, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? And if the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? And now here's the point he's making, using the human body as an illustration. But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. God did it just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? And now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head to the, the feet, I have no need of you but much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Every member of the physical body is a necessary part. And every person that is a member of the body of Christ is a necessary part. There are no unimportant people to Jesus Christ. In Christ, everyone is important. Number one, you've been made in the image of God. And number two, when you become a Christian, you have been redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Christ, you're saved. And in Christ, you're important. You know, it's so easy for us to dwell on what we don't have. I, I want to suggest that you start concentrating on what you do have. In order to love yourself, learn to accept yourself. A second suggestion in learning to love yourself is forgive yourself. Now, I don't have any doubt about God loving us enough that he would be willing to forgive us. In Romans, the eighth chapter and verse 32, Paul said, for God spared not his own son, but he gave him up gave his son up for us. He did not spare his son. He gave his son. And that was because of the love that he had for us. In Psalms 103 and verse 2, we are reminded about the blessings that God has given to us. And he said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all of his benefits. And one of those benefits that is mentioned in that psalm is the benefit of forgiveness. In verse 12, he says, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our iniquities from us. Now, God has shown he has that he loves us by providing a way to forgive us. And that should motivate us and move us to gratitude. 
and hence glorify God. You know, there's some people today that are absolutely tormented by guilt. They cannot forgive themselves. I asked a group of people just recently, I was teaching a class in my home, and I said, who or what is the most difficult thing to forgive? Our discussion that night was on the subject of forgiveness, and, and several in the class responded, it's hard to forgive yourself. I think that's true, and I think so many people today are tormented by the things they've done in the past. But you see, if God forgives us, and God has accepted us in the Beloved, we need to accept the forgiveness that God has extended toward us. Somebody says, well, I just don't feel worthy of God forgiving. And none of us are worthy of God forgiving us. It's a matter of God's grace. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7, Paul there writes about forgiveness. And he said, in whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace. None of us are worthy of being forgiven, but God forgives us whether we are worthy of it or not. That's what grace is all about. And friend, when God forgives you of a sin, and he forgives all your past sins, may I remind us all that God doesn't do a halfway job of forgiving. As a matter of fact, in Acts the third chapter, and in verse 19, we learn that when our sins are forgiven, they are blotted out. There's a couple of passages in the 55th chapter of Isaiah that, that I, I enjoy reading for my personal benefit. And that's verse 6 and verse 7. The 55th chapter of Isaiah is just rich with Bible truths. Now listen to verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Imagine an individual who has been convicted of a serious crime a crime for which they may either spend the rest of their life in jail or they may give their life, that is, they may be executed. And then maybe the governor of the state where that individual lives issues them a pardon. Do you suppose that individual is going to say, well, you know, I just can't accept that pardon? Oh, you say, no, that person would willingly, gladly accept the pardon that had been offered. We've been offered a pardon for our sins. God said, I will abundantly pardon you of your sins. You need to learn to forgive yourself. If God forgives you, you have been forgiven of all of the things of the past. God loves you and he has accepted you. Sometimes we have a hard time understanding that. If you want to love yourself, forgive yourself, forgive yourself. And another suggestion I would make is that you forget yourself. We live in a me world. I first heard that expression a number of years ago from an older preacher. 
I guess more than 30 years ago, so this attitude has been around a long time. But we still live in a me world. That is a world where people are so self-centered, thinking about themselves. We're even told you can have it your way. We're told do yourself a favor. We're told you need to look out for number one. We're told you owe it to yourself. But you know, the attitude Jesus had was a completely different attitude. He forgot himself. You see, he was not looking out for number one. He, he was not trying to have it his way. As a matter of fact, in Romans 15 and verse 3, Paul reminds us that Christ pleased not himself. He, he was not thinking about himself. He forgot himself. In Philippians chapter 2, we're told that he was on an equality with God, but he emptied himself in the form of a servant. A man who's thinking about himself is not going to do that. You see, Jesus forgot himself. Do you want to be happy? Do you want real joy in life? Then you need to learn to love yourself. And you forget yourself when you love yourself. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul said, Each of you, looking not only on his own things, but also on the things of others. Joy is found by putting Jesus first in your life. Others second. And yourself comes last. That's the way you spell joy, J-O-Y, Jesus, others, yourself. So Jesus said, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. To love yourself, you need to learn to forget yourself. May I make us another suggestion, that is that you enjoy yourself. All things were created for us to enjoy I don't think many people know how to enjoy themselves. They get up, caught up in things of life and they'll say, well, you know, I'm just too busy. They're caught on the treadmill of business. I think there are reasons that people get so busy in life. I think one of the reasons that happens is because they have a desire to conform to everything that's going on around them which is filled with busyness and they want to be accepted. I think another reason people are so busy today is because they have a desire to keep up with our changing society. In Alice in Wonderland, the queen said, that it is, here it takes all the running you can do just to to, to, to keep in the same place. Do you ever feel that way? It just takes all that you can do to keep, keep yourself in the same place. I think another reason that many people are so busy is because they have a compulsive desire to escape the problems of life and they just stay busy all the time. And then another reason is it's an expression of tension. I think sometimes people, are, it's like they're on a merry-go-round. 
I read about, about a farmer who went to the, to the uh, county fair and, and they had a merry-go-round and he got on that and he paid 50 cents to get on and when he got off, the, someone says, how did he enjoy the merry-go-round? He said, I paid 50 cents and I got on it, went round and round and I got off right where I'd gone off, on and I hadn't been anywhere. I think that's the way a lot of people are in life. They're just on a merry-go-round. They're on a Ferris wheel, just going round and round, and they aren't going anywhere. And they're not enjoying themselves. And this whole thing of busyness, being so busy all the time, has a price to pay. It's going to take a physical toll on people. It causes ulcers, it causes high blood pressure, it causes heart attacks, it causes headaches. It's going to have a psychological toll on people as well. You, you see, it slows down your reaction, it, decrease, it decreases your alertness, it, and it can actually lead to a mental collapse. But busyness also can take a social toll. Sometimes people get so busy they become short-tempered. And they're hard to live with. They got so much pressure on them. They, they're so busy. And then it can take a spiritual toll as well. You see, have you ever said, I'm just too busy to pray? I'm just too busy to read the Bible? I'm just too busy to go to worship God? I'm too busy to talk to someone about their soul or to lend a word of encouragement? You see, we need to learn to enjoy ourselves. But then also, may I suggest to love yourself, you need to challenge yourself. People that are successful in life have goals. They have long-range goals. Now, long-range goal is the distance between where you are and where you want to be. And that's what keeps you going. Paul had goals in his life. He was goal-oriented. In Philippians 3, he said, I count not myself to have yet apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Have we lost a sense of long-range commitment? Are we afraid of the time that's going to take? You see, the, the God is the one who gives meaning to the striving that we do in this old world. And God has always challenged His people. God wants us to challenge ourselves. In Exodus chapter 14 and verse 15, the, the Lord gave this command to His people. Go forward. God wants you to go, go forward, not stand still. Challenge yourself. And so if you love yourself, you indeed will challenge yourself. May I also suggest you need to take care of yourself. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The child of God's body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. According to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 21, we are to be vessels that are fit or suitable for the master's use. And the Spirit of God does not dwell in dirty dishes. 
and unkept dishes. We need to take care of yourselves. Many years ago, I was in the uh, state of Mississippi. As a matter of fact, I was in Natchez, Mississippi preaching. And I was a young preacher and I was full of enthusiasm and zeal to preach my sermon that night. And I'm standing on the front seat at the front of the building, at the front pew, uh, as they were singing the song just before I'd go up into the, uh, to the pulpit to preach. And I could hardly be still. And I was so excited about preaching that night. And one of the older men in the church came to me and he said, Son, you need to learn to take better care of the Lord's servant. I have never forgotten what he told me that night. We need to learn to take care of ourselves. But in conclusion, to love yourself, you need to save yourself. Oh, I know Jesus is our Savior. But in Acts the second chapter, Paul, up on the day of Pentecost, Peter said, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. He had preached to these people about Jesus, about his life, his death, his resurrection, the fact that he was the Christ, and they asked what to do to be saved. And he told them what to do to be saved. He told them to repent of their sins and to be baptized for the remission of their sins. That's in verse 38. And in verse 40, he said, Save yourselves. Verse 41 says, Then they that gladly received the word were baptized. You save yourself in the sense that you obey what God told you to do to accept the benefit of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, Philippians 2.12. And so we are, have a part in our salvation. There's God's part providing the plan. There's our part in obeying. Save yourselves. I'd encourage you, if you're not a Christian, to become a Christian immediately by believing on Jesus, by repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Christ, be baptized into Christ, because Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. Being at Faulkner is like being a part of a big family. I feel safe here. It seems like I know everybody, and even my professors know me by name. My faith in Christ has grown a lot since coming to Faulkner, especially working with this outstanding Bible department and seeing the general Christian lives of all the professors on campus. Faulkner University is a growing, academically strong institution where Christ is the center of everything we do. Visit our website today to see what Faulkner has for you. Getting to know your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, 
Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580 or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles. <laughs>